my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello and welcome to the Mark Moss Show, where I am bringing to you the latest information on Bitcoin, cryptocurrencies, and the decentralized revolution each and every week. Uh, this is the most important part of your week. This is the part of the week that you do not want to miss because this is literally the biggest opportunity you will ever have. You'll ever see in your lifetime, and not just your lifetime, probably the biggest opportunity that people will see in generations. It's that big. Now, uh, as, a, as a pretty much career-long uh, professional investor, we look for something known as an asymmetric opportunity. That means we have more upside than downside. That's how you should always think about investing. And the best way to get that asymmetric upside is to have asymmetric information. That means that you have information that most people don't know about. And so that's what I'm bringing to you each and every week. So make sure to tune in if you can real quick, just go ahead and pull out your phone or whatever, set a reminder to come back to this station at this time and join in with me. Now, we're going to dig right into it. I want to give you the information that you need. And uh, the big news this week, of course, is all time highs. We are back to all time highs. We are seeing cryptocurrencies smash through previous all time highs and go into what we would call uncharted territory. Now, I started out this show, um, the first episode we did, and I had uh, my good friend Alex Gladstein on. 
And uh, the reason why I, I stated, um, and if you missed that episode, uh, go back and listen to it. But the reason why I stated that I want to have Alex on for that show is because he is head of the Human Rights Foundation, and Bitcoin is doing more for human rights, global human rights, than any other thing we've ever seen happen in this world today. And I wanted to put it um, on the first episode, the first show, because I wanted people to know that is the most important thing. I didn't want to talk about the price. I've continued to say that I think price is a distraction. Of course, I've gone deep into that, um, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on that. If you've been tuning in every single week, you've already heard that. Um, but I do just want to just kind of reiterate that before, of course, we jump in and talk about the price because everybody's excited. We are sitting at all-time highs again right now. Um, as a matter of fact, we saw Bitcoin smash through its previous all-time high. That was set right around 64, just under 65,000. And in uh, last night's and early morning trading, we got up as high as 67,000 US dollars per Bitcoin. Now, I've seen many people joking um, that, you know, the US government has printed about $8 trillion over the last year, which means that your dollars buy less. They inflated the money monetary supply by about 25%. So now your dollars will buy about 25% less goods and services. So if we're adjusted for inflation, maybe we're not back up to all-time highs, but we're not going to dig too much into that right now. But we have uh, smashed that, um, that previous all-time high. Ethereum, the other big uh, token, was up as high as 4,300, about 4,375, and has now settled back down to about 4,000. And of course, that is taking us into uncharted territory. Again, the price is a little bit of a, of a distraction. I don't dig super deep into this, but just from a pure technical analysis standpoint, which of course, technical analysis is used for people to try to kind of forecast where these price movements are going. And you would look at the price action, you'd look at the candles, the bars, and then you would look at areas that had support and resistance and things like that. Well, when you get over the all-time high, there is no resistance above head. So there's nothing. There's no ceiling. And so we get into what's known as a price discovery. Anytime you have a new product or really anything in the free market, it goes through a process of price discovery. Um, no different if it was real estate or any other asset. And basically what that is, is the price needs to find the equilibrium of what, uh, or, or the kind of the middle between what buyers want to pay for it and what sellers are willing to sell it for. Of course, like all prices, they're driven by supply and demand. So if you have more buyers, more people that want to buy, then you do have people willing to sell, the price is gonna go up. Those buyers will have to be willing to pay more. Um, and likewise, the opposite is true. And so we're above the all-time high. We're into that area known as, um, like I said, price discovery. Now, you might have heard if you're paying attention, and of course, if not, don't worry, I got your back. I'm bringing it to you each and every week. But the big news this week, the big, 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 big news was that we got a Bitcoin ETF. That came out. It was released. Now, I believe it's been <clears throat> seven or eight years now that Wall Street has been trying to get a, B a Bitcoin ETF into the marketplace. Like seven years. Uh, dozens and dozens and dozens of them have been submitted and continually have been denied over and over and over again. And so it's really big news at this point that we finally got a Bitcoin ETF to go through. And of course, that is part of what 
got the market so excited and blew it wide open. Now, I would definitely not say it was because of that. Um, as a matter of fact, you know, the, the price of Bitcoin has been on the rise ever since. I would say that it might be more due to a few other things, but that Bitcoin ETF is really big news. And I want to dig into that. Um, I think there's a lot of dangers in this ETF that a lot of people aren't aware of. I think there's a lot of dangers for individual people that they're not aware of. I think there's a lot of dangers to Bitcoin um, that a lot of people aren't aware of. So I want to spend some time talking about that so you can navigate this correctly, not just for your own investments, but also um, so you can just understand and how to sidestep this danger. But before we do that, I just kind of want to dip back into kind of this, this price talk a little bit because really we saw that that previous all-time high was set back in April. So it's been basically, you know, since April, we've, we've been at that price level. Since we hit that all-time high of about $65,000 um, in April, we then watched the market plunge right from there. And it got down, you know, dropped about 50% down into the 30,000 range. And then it kind of bounced up and kind of sat in this like thirty-two dollars to $35,000 range for a couple of months. Uh, basically from May 18th till about, you know, June 28th. So about six weeks, it kind of sat in that range. And I think um, it's a, uh, understanding why the price shot back up is uh, you kind of have to go back to why did the price drop in, you know, previously. Now, the first thing I would say is that, um, you know, while a lot of people are trying to figure out the price, um, there's not always a reason why it moves every single day or every single week or whatever you want to look at, whatever time frame. And um, I would say, like, like I said, right, um, looking at the price is a little bit of a distraction, but it's still fun to try to understand this a little bit. And so um, what the big news was back when we hit that previous all-time high is that China was banning Bitcoin mining. That was a really big deal. They banned Bitcoin mining. And so um, I actually had made a video uh, about this on my YouTube channel where I break these subjects down with visuals, my whiteboard. If you want to check those out, just go to YouTube and type in Mark Moss. And I made a video about this and I called it China's second fatal mistake, China's second fatal mistake. And I talked about how um, them kicking the Bitcoin miners out of the country was going to be a fatal mistake for them. They made a big mistake. And, you know, a lot of people going up into that point um, before that happened back in May, a lot of a lot of people would, would often talk about Bitcoin and say how, um, you know, it's it's a problem because the governments could shut it down. And uh, it's also a problem because Bitcoin, uh, because China controls the majority of the mining. That was something they would always say. Um, and so what was interesting is in China, when China banned all the Bitcoin mining, they literally forced all the miners to shut their equipment down and they kicked it all out. All those people had to pack up and they had to move and they had to leave the country. And again, right, they controlled over half of the networks. That was what people are afraid of. And it was a testament for how strong, how resilient Bitcoin is. It was a testament because they literally shut down over half of the network, literally a brute force attack, boom, shut it down. And Bitcoin didn't skip a beat. Didn't even skip a beat. It continued to pump out a new block every 10 minutes. Um, of course, transaction times went slowed down a little bit. Maybe transaction fees went up a little bit, but it didn't affect the network itself, but it did affect the price. And I think that was a big reason, probably the, the predominant reason why we saw the price drop from that previous high all the way down, like I said, about 
Now, but understanding that also helps us to know why it bounced back up. As a matter of fact, there's, it's one of the two reasons that we would always look at to understand where these technologies are and more importantly, um, where the adoption will be and the price will be, um, et cetera. And so I want to get into that. You need to understand this. Now, if you're just tuning in, you are listening to The Mark Moss Show, where I bring to you the latest information on Bitcoin, cryptocurrencies, and the decentralized revolution each and every week. Again, like I say, this is an asymmetric opportunity. And I'll be right back with this asymmetric information you need to win with Bitcoin. You are back with the Mark Ma Show, where we talk about Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies and the decentralized revolution. Come to you each and every week to bring you the latest up to uh, up to the most current information you need so you can navigate this correctly. Now, before the break, we were talking about the price. Uh, we talk about how the price is a little bit of a little bit of a distraction. It's not something that you should be focused on. Um, as an investor, if you're focusing on your portfolio on a daily, weekly, or even a monthly basis, it's not going to work out too well for you. You need to be zoomed out. And so if you're focused on the price, you're definitely going to be missing out on some things. But we were talking about how Bitcoin got to a new all-time high. Um, and the previous high was set back in April. And I, talk, I was, I was excited enough to explain how the price of Bitcoin tumbled because China destroyed half of the network, literally shut down over half of the network and forced them to get out of the country. Now, if you run a business, um, or let's say you even run a household, but let's say that you ran a business and um, you had to shut your business, you know, your business was forced shut down, sort of like what happened with the pandemic last year. But guess what? You still have expenses. Uh, that's pretty difficult, right? I mean, you still got to cover your expenses. You don't have any income coming in. So what are you going to do? Well, you're probably going to be forced to start selling some assets, put some things on fire sell, clear out some inventory, something to try to get some money. Now, imagine that times 10, where now not only are you shut down, but you literally have to pack your entire data center and move it halfway around the world. And so what happened is when, those, when, when over half of the Bitcoin network was forced to be shut down by China, they were forced to liquidate their Bitcoin, right? So they sit on a bunch in their treasury reserves. And so they were dumping their Bitcoin onto the market to try to raise the capital they needed to move across the world. Now, of course, as I said earlier, supply and demand. So when you have the same amount of buyers, but you have an increase in supply, then typically you would expect prices to go down. And that's exactly what happened. Now, I think, you know, the price of Bitcoin stayed down, like I said, for about six weeks, and then it kind of jumped up and got into the $40,000 range. And then we saw something else from China. Thank you very much, China. Uh, something else from China, and that was that about a month ago, China said, it's not just enough to ban the Bitcoin mining. We need to ban all cryptocurrencies. As a matter of fact, nobody in the country can do anything with cryptocurrencies. They can't buy them. They can't trade them. They can't own them. They can't do anything. And that was about six weeks ago. And since that time, since the time that they went ahead to, to ban it again, courtesy of them, we have now seen the price of Bitcoin jump up over 50%. 50%. And I think, I think there's a couple of reasons why, right? This is important to understand. So basically what China did was they said, you don't have the right to hold your wealth in a way that we can't censor and steal and inflate away. Now, when they tell you that, <laughs> it kind of makes you want to find a way to do that. And so they're almost doing their own marketing or Bitcoin's marketing for us. And I think um, it showed the rest of the world how important it was to get your wealth outside of their system. Um, and I think also in China, it's also increased the demand, not only for Bitcoin. Um, I had some reports from some gold people I was talking to today, and they said that 
gold, the, the gold sales, the volume of gold sales are off the chart in China. Of course, the people aren't buying gold bullion that you would typically store in your safe. They're buying gold jewelry because that's what they have available to them. And so they're literally standing. There's li long lines, at least I've been reported, uh, long lines at all the jewelry stores of people just trying to buy gold. They're trying to do anything they can to get their money out of the system. And so since that time, basically, China told the world, hey, if, uh, if you don't want your government stealing your money, you should get it out of the system. And since that time, Bitcoin has responded. And to me... <laughs> And maybe I'm just looking at this with some rose-colored, or we actually call them orange-colored lenses and orange-colored glasses. But maybe, uh, maybe it's just me, but it's like um, maybe the world is saying they're ready for a separation of money and state. Maybe they're ready to see the end of this government monopoly on money. At least that's what the price action is telling us. And so um, that happened at the same time, though. And so here's where we have to continue to get um, into this. So at the same time as China was cracking down on it and the price of Bitcoin responded, um, people in the United States still say, oh, yeah, but the U.S. will, will, will make it illegal. The U.S. will ban it, right? It's still I still hear that all the time. I, I think it's a ridiculous argument, one I've dispelled many, many times. As a matter of fact, I have multiple videos on my YouTube channel um, dedicated towards just answering that question, why I don't think they could, why they couldn't. Uh, why they won't, uh, why it would destroy the United States economy if they did, all these um, different topics. But uh, at the same time, right, like I said, people still think it's going to happen in the U.S., but we had um, Jerome Powell, who's the head of the Federal Reserve, the, of the, the Central Bank of the United States, and we had the, the head of the SEC, Gary Gensler, both come out and say, we will not ban it. <laughs> Point blank. If you need any more clear, that's about how clear they were. Um, and so they've come out and told you that they're not going to ban it. They, they've said that. And some people are st st still people don't want to believe it. And they're like, yeah, yeah, they don't really mean it. To, uh, someone else is going to do it. Um, but I think that this ETF being approved is the final nail in the coffin. Like this is like, this is it. Like there's just, there's just no way. I mean, I don't want to say no way. I would say the probability, the probability of the government banning it at this point is just barely better than zero. Um, at this point, we have approximately 50 million Americans own Bitcoin, 50 million Americans. So that would be a big problem if they want to suck the wealth out of 50 million Americans. On top of that, um, the United States has become the biggest beneficiary of the Bitcoin mining because it was all kicked out of China. Uh, a good majority of it came to the United States, mostly just in Texas, which is working to become a Bitcoin state, um, which is a very interesting story in itself. And now, we, we have, you know, most of Wall Street from Fidelity to Goldman Sachs to, you know, smaller players, um, New York Stock Exchange, even, you know, Cash App and um, PayPal, Venmo now, et cetera. Um, they're all they've all built out Bitcoin products and services. And so um, if the government tried to ban it, that'd be not only have 50 million Americans on their uh, on their case, they'd also have all of Wall Street on their case. And now with an ETF finally approved, and um, as a matter of fact, it was the second fastest growing, the, the, the second biggest ETF launch in history. And really, it's kind of the biggest because the first one has an asterisk beside it. Uh, it was a carbon fund that was launched and it had a pre-sale. So the pre-sale kind of helped goose the numbers a little bit. Um, so it was the top one or two, we'll, let's call it that, um, biggest ETFs in history. And I think that just basically seals the deal. That's it. No way the government's going to make it illegal. I mean, uh, all these things, of course, add up in, in Bitcoin's favor. There's dozens of senators and Congress people that own it. Um, all of Wall Street has products on it. Um, 50 million Americans own it. But today, as of today, as of this week, we now have an ETF. 
And that's it, in my opinion, game over. And I think that, so it was a combination of China shutting it down and seeing the resiliency there and the ETF coming on board that really put this optimism back into the market. And we are off to the races. Now, I don't typically talk a lot about the price, but I'm gonna talk about the price some more because it could be going some places. As a matter of fact, based off of the fund flow that's been going on in the ETF, um, there's some people making some predictions that you might not even believe. And I bet you all want to know where the price of Bitcoin could be by the end of the year, let's say by Christmas. Uh, let me just tell you, if you own Bitcoin, it's going to be a very Merry Christmas for you. Let me tell you that. So I'll come back. I'll tell you where I think the price could be by Christmas. We'll talk about where the price could be over the next year, two, three, four, and five years. Now, you might not believe some of these numbers I have to report to you, but I am going to back it up with some credible information. So we'll talk about that. And then I want to dig more into this ETF because, um, like I said, there's some dangers here, not only just for you, but also dangers for Bitcoin overall. And I think that's important to understand. There's two different types of um, Bitcoin ETFs. Again, you're listening to the Mark Moss Show talking about Bitcoin, cryptocurrencies, and the decentralized revolution. And I'll be right back. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure, I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. 
Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, welcome back. You are listening to The Mark Moss Show, where I am bringing to you each and every week the latest information, the latest news, the breaking news, the news that you need to know about Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies and the decentralized revolution that's happening right now. I'm talking about the largest technological revolution we have ever seen in history. Now, I'm not talking about a new technology. I'm not talking about an, the Uber app or the iPhone. I'm talking about a technological revolution that literally changes the way humanity works. The other thing about a technological revolution is that it drives financial markets. A technological revolution drives financial markets. They happen about every 50 years. The previous financial mar uh, the previous technological revolution was the age of the microprocessor, which led to personal computers, telecommunications, and the internet. And of course, if you look back over the last 30 or 40 years, what, what's been driving the financial markets? And of course, it's the telecommunications and the internet stocks, right? The fangs, Facebook, Apple, Netflix, Google, etc. And if you went back to the technological revolution before that, that would be oil and automobiles, and of course, Ford, Chrysler, GM, uh, oil companies, etc. And so you, you get the point. And that is what we're doing. And so now we are talking about Bitcoin, this technological revolution, it's going to drive the financial markets. And we're talking about the financial markets finally got in after like seven or eight years of trying to get their ETF approved. And it was denied every single time, dozens and dozens of times. They finally got approved and it is going to drive the financial markets big time. Now, I told you before the break, I would tell you where some analysts are predicting the price of Bitcoin to go. Um, and, and I was going to explain to you the different types of, of, of Bitcoin ETFs, because there's two actually. And I think it's important that you understand um, what the differences of these are, um, because there's, there's some danger if you don't get it, uh, if you don't get it the right way. I think there's also some danger to Bitcoin itself that I want to talk about. So um, before we get into the different types of the Bitcoin ETFs and, and talk about some of the dangers, because you definitely need to know that, uh, let's talk about real quickly, probably what you've been waiting on, which is where could the potential potential price of Bitcoin go. All right, so we'll talk about that. Now, um, some people, I mean, there's there's a lot of different opinions. And of course, nobody has a crystal ball. Um, and so let me just say that. Um, but I will say that there's a lot of people who have been studying this for a long time, and they kind of understand the way money flows and things like that. And so I think there's a few credible people to listen to. And what I like to do is I like to look, like to look for indicators or models. Um, and then I like to look for a multiple uh, of them, different ones. And I try to find out where there's some congruence, where they agree. And so I think that's pretty important. So I'll, I'll show you three different models. Um, and we'll also just listen to a few different people that I think are, are pretty credible. Um, and so the first thing I would say is that um, we have um, based off of a study, uh, researchers at a platform, uh, Forex, suggest that Bitcoin could reach a $5 trillion market cap value by the start of 2024. All right. So um, right now it's at about a $1 trillion value. So that means it would have a 5x or a 500% return by the start of 2024, which is basically two years away. So a 500% return over the next 
two years, which of course that actually sounds pretty reasonable. Um, we can see that over the last decade, basically since Bitcoin has been out since day one, it's averaged a 200% annual compounded growth rate. That's what it's averaged since it's been around. And so to get a 500% uh, gain in the next, you know, a little over two years, two and a half years, that sounds like it's about right on track. Now that means if you were to put $1,000 in, it would be worth $5,000. If you put half a million in, it could be worth $2.5 million. So you kind of get the idea. That's a pretty big number. Now to put that into kind of context, the stock market has averaged, depending on what time frame you want to look at it, but somewhere around a six, like, like zero, six, like 6% to 8% gain, six to 8% gain. And so Bitcoin's been averaging a 200% gain, just to kind of put that into perspective, if some of you guys don't understand some of these numbers. Um, Fundstrat Global Advisors, Tom Lee, who's been uh, charting and looking at the Bitcoin price for a really long time, says it could attract, um, based, based off this new ETF, it could attract $50 billion in flows into this new ETF fund. And he thinks that we could see Bitcoin getting to uh, $168,000 on this on this news 168,000 which puts it uh about 150% return from here which again <laughs> these numbers maybe they don't make sense to you but when a stock market is going up by 6% to get 150% is just incredible um so so those are a couple numbers but i think there's some even better numbers than that um some of the better numbers that i like to look at are um, Fidelity. So Fidelity is one of the largest financial institutions in the United States. Um, and they've been doing a lot of research into um, Bitcoin. As a matter of fact, they've been involved into Bitcoin for a really, really long time since kind of the beginning since, well, not the beginning, but I'm going back to about 2017. And um, they've done a lot of research. They've been they've been mining Bitcoin since that time. Um, they set up a digital assets side. Um, they do loans against Bitcoin. Um, and of course, then they, they forecast it out to their you know, subscribers and whatnot. And um, they put out um, some reports just a couple of months ago, it was two, three months ago, I think. And it was uh, from Jurian um, Timmer. He's the director of global macro at Fidelity. And uh, he put together this whole slide deck. Um, there's a lot of charts, a lot of graphics. Um, again, I, I have a I have a video on my YouTube channel uh, that breaks all these slides down if you want to see them um, to get a little bit more sense of it. But basically, he predict or basically his research, what Fidelity put forward, was that um, he predicted that the value of Bitcoin would reach $1 billion per coin in about two decades, so 20 years, which is a long time. It's a long way off, but uh, that's what he was saying. Now, he combined a couple of charts. Um, one, something that's called the stock-to-flow model. Uh, the stock-to-flow model is basically uh, what it sounds like, but the stock is the existing supply. How much do we have right now today? The existing stock that's available. And then the flow is the new incoming supply, like the inflation rate. And so you can take scarce assets like gold and silver, for example, and then you can overlay them um, with this stock to flow model. Like, for example, you take all the gold that we have in the world, which, by the way, if you took all the gold in existence today and melted it all into one giant cube, I think it fits like in a football field. It's not that not that big. Um, but that's the existing stock. And then we have the flow. So there's obviously gold miners all around the world that are digging gold out of the ground. Um, and that's the new incoming flow. So we have a, uh, the, the inflation is by a, a couple percent, a couple points. 
Um, and so you'd, you'd kind of look at that and then you could also use that same kind of a chart and you could look at um, Bitcoin with that. So that's one way to do that. Another way that they, you went to look at the price is using something known as Metcalf's Law. And Metcalf's Law is basically something that says that um, a network's value grows by the number of users. And so they looked at that, they looked at the users, the network grows, and they kind of use that to extrapolate some of the value. And they said that Bitcoin's value should grow much faster than it does, um, than the network of buyers and sellers grow. But they went on to, um, they also went on to say some stuff that kind of walked back some of that talk. So uh, to say that Bitcoin would be worth one, <laughs> I know it cracks me up just saying it, but a uh, billion dollars per coin in 20 years. But they went and walked that back a little bit. And what do I mean? Um, they said that, um, you know, money is changing. Money is losing its value really, really, really fast. And it's losing value faster and faster as time goes on. As a matter of fact, the dollar, as I think I started out in the first um, part talking about that, the value of the dollar has lost 25% of its purchasing power just this year, 25%. And so um, basically when Bitcoin is worth a billion dollars, a billion dollars isn't worth very much. That's basically what it comes down to. Um, and, and Timmer went on to ex uh, have like an example and said that like a dollar invested in stocks in the 1700s is now worth like almost $4 billion. And, and like 20 years ago, um, in, in 20 years, basically $1 billion would be worth what about 1 million is kind of currently buying. And so you have to kind of think about things in terms of purchasing power. What would $1 million buy me today in goods and services? And so they're basically saying that potentially in 20 years from now, a billion dollars would buy you the same amount of goods and services that 1 million would buy you today. So it is important to kind of keep that in, uh, in, in, in a frame of mind when you start thinking about these big numbers. Uh, but they're saying that in 20 years time, you could see um, a trillion dollars being a quite common number. I want to come back and tell you where I think Bitcoin price will be before by Christmas time and by the first quarter of next year. You're listening to The Mark Moss Show. Don't go away. I'm going to bring the price when I come right back. All right. Welcome back. You are back with The Mark Moss Show, where we are talking about Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies and the decentralized revolution, where I bring it to you each and every week right here at the same time on the same channel. So just do me a favor real quick. Pull out your phone. Put a calendar reminder on there, put this channel, put this time so you can join me each and every week because <laughs> I'm bringing to you the most important information. You do not want to miss this. I can guarantee you. And the reason why I say that and I can put a guarantee on it is because I can guarantee you that this is going to be the biggest opportunity that you've ever had in your lifetime and, and not just your lifetime, multiple lifetimes. And so in order to take advantage of it, you need to understand what's going on. And that's what I'm going to bring you each and every week. Now, do me another favor. While you have your phone out, while it's in your hand, why don't you just go ahead and go over to Twitter, if you're on Twitter, uh, or if you're on Instagram, and just pull it open and type in one Mark Moss. That's the number one, just one Mark Moss. And give me a follow. Give me a follow on Twitter, on Instagram, and give me a comment, a shout out, give me an at, and ask me a question. Tell me you heard me on the radio and ask me a question. I'll make sure to answer that for you next week. I don't have live calling yet. We'll get that going at some point, but for now, you can tweet at me or uh, hit me up on Instagram. Now, we were, go we were talking about where the price of Bitcoin could go. Of course, we went with some crazy numbers. <laughs> I know I went way crazy with that. Fidelity, there, Fidelity put the numbers out. That wasn't me. Uh, but they talked about the price of Bitcoin getting up to $1 billion per coin in the next 20 years. But then, of course, we walked that back and said that, yes, but in 20 years from now, 
a billion dollars will buy you about the same amount of goods and services that one million would be able to buy you right now. So we did kind of walk that back a little bit. But let's look at some other numbers. So um, going back to the stock to flow model, um, I kind of explained before we went to the break, it's basically the, the stock, the existing supply, how much supply is available, and then the flow, which is the new incoming supply or the inflation rate. Um, and so um, that's one model. The, 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 the guy who created that is a, is a guy named Plan B. He's a renowned quantitative analyst. Um, and he, he's the kind of the one that came up with the stock to flow model. He says that he'll be caught off guard. He'll be caught off guard. He'll be surprised if Bitcoin remains below the six figure mark by the end of 2021. That's what he says. Now, he's, he's, uh, he's a pretty smart guy. I mean, he looks at this a lot. He says, quote, quoting him, I would be very surprised if Bitcoin's price would be below $100,000 at the end of the year. That would sort of invalidate my view, my models, and that would certainly surprise me. He went on to say, get ready. Ready for a Merry Christmas? Because here we go. I do think we will see a price that is at least $135,000 by Christmas because that's what my floor model says. Basically, I'm using three kinds of models that all say the same thing, end quote. So remember, I talked about having different models, different indicators that that uh, have kind of the same message, and that's exactly what he's saying. So um, shoot, man, if, uh, if you doubled your money between now and Christmas, would that make for a pretty Merry Christmas? I think it would for most people. Now, <laughs> the problem is money is not wealth. Money only communicates wealth. Money tells you how much wealth you can go acquire. Wealth is goods and services. If you have a bunch of money, if you're on a deserted island with no boat, no phone, no food, no nothing, if you have money with you, it does you no good, right? You need to be able to have goods and services, of course. And they're saying that by Christmas, like uh, I saw Apple revise their numbers and they said that they may not be able to get enough iPhones out for Christmas. But basically, we're, we're forecasting to have massive shortages on everything from food to electronics to automobiles. Everything's going to be in short supply by Christmas. So while you might have a lot of money in your, in your account, uh, you may not be able to buy as much stuff. But we're going to talk about that a little bit later in the show we'll get into some of that stuff because uh, as we always say bitcoin fixes this and it can certainly fix that problem but we're going to stay um, talking about the price for right now and um so we have that stock to flow model that's that's one of the three models um, another one that we look at is on-chain signals or on-chain data now one thing that makes bitcoin unique from any other asset class out there in the whole world is what's called on-chain data. And on-chain data is um, interesting because basically, you know, the Bitcoin network is, is what's called open. It's anonymous. So you can see all the transactions that are happening on it, uh, but you don't know who it belongs to. So it's anonymous, but it's open and you can see that. And, and because of that, it allows us to see this data and helps us to really understand what's going on on the network. And so for example, if we're looking at on-chain data, what we can see is um, like we can see Bitcoin balances that are sitting on exchanges. We can see how many new wallets are being created. We can see what the average purchase size is. Another one that's super interesting is we can see the age of the coins. So we can see how long those coins have stayed put or, or moved. And that helps us to understand who are the short-term traders and who are the long-term hodlers, the ones that are holding for the long-term. So there's some, some really, really interesting things that we can get from that on-chain data that you just can't get for anything. There's nothing else in the world that you can do that with. And so that's pretty helpful. Uh, one, one thing that we saw with on-chain data that's pretty interesting um, just, just today 
over 17,000 Bitcoin were withdrawn off of exchanges over the last hour. That's just over the last hour. That's today. 17,000 Bitcoin pulled off of exchanges. Now, what does that mean exactly? Well, first of all, 17,000, just to give you some perspective, that's over a billion dollars. That's $1.1 billion was taken off of exchanges. And so when it's taken off of exchanges, that means it's going into like a private wallet, like cold storage or something like that. And so when it's pulled off of exchanges, that means it's not going to be exchanged or traded, right? So if people bought Bitcoin and then exchange it for another cryptocurrency, or they moved into a stable coin, um, they were buying, selling, buying, selling, buying, selling, that'd be one thing. This is taking it off of the supply, taking it off the exchange. And again, remember, <laughs> supply and demand. And so if you take, uh, if you take 17,000 coins out of supply, and the demand stays the same, then the price continues to go up. So that's one thing that's um, pretty interesting, I would say from that. Another thing that's pretty interesting with some on chain data is we can see um, we can see, like I was saying, the age of the coins. And what we can see is that um, over, um, I think it's 90% uh, of coins haven't moved for more than 90 days. And so that means that long-term hodlers are in control of the market. So that means there's you know 10 or 20% of the supply that's available to buy and sell. The rest of it's locked up. It's off the market. And that's another really big Thing. And so that that helps us see that. Um, and then there's another thing called a floor model that helps us find what the lowest possible price is. And that would use things like uh, cost to mine, et cetera, things like that. Um, but what we can see is that when we look at all of those, when we look at all three of those, and, and as Plan B says, right, they're all kind of showing the same thing. He says, uh, quote, I would say that the top is at least, um, say, six months from here. So the end of Q1 of 2022 or maybe later. He went on to say that the top end of his stock to flow model pins the price of Bitcoin at $288,000 at the peak of this cycle. It's a big number. We're at 65,000 a day to get to 288. Now, let me just say real quick, this is not financial advice. I am not telling you to go buy Bitcoin. Uh, don't hold me to it. All I'm doing is reading to you what other analysts are thinking. Again, I am not telling you to go buy it. Um, this is not financial advice, so I'll just go ahead and say that. But basically, he says that these three models are pointing to that, uh, a price target of 288. So we kind of have this range somewhere between 135 to 288, which, of course, any of those numbers I think we'd be okay with. He went on to say that I would not be surprised even to see in Q1 or Q2 of next year uh, prices at from three, four, or even $500,000. Um, and so that's interesting. That's really interesting. Now, going back to what Fidelity said, remember, that also means that the dollars just aren't buying as much anymore. So I want you to just to kind of keep that in mind as we're talking about this. But that's where things could go. Now, <sighs> That's all about the price. I want to dig in and talk about more than just price. There's more. We're going to talk about these ETFs, as I was kind of saying. There's two different types of ETFs, um, and you really need to be aware of the two different types that are available. One is way more risky than the other, so I want you to understand that. We're going to talk about that, dangers of that, and so forth when we get back. Um, you are listening to The Mark Moss Show, where I bring to you the latest information for Bitcoin, cryptocurrencies, and this decentralized revolution each and every week. Um, pull out your phone, put it on your calendar. Don't miss me next week on this channel. Like I said, this is going to be the information that you need to know. It's literally going to be life changing information because this is going to be the biggest opportunity that you will ever witness in your lifetime. And I don't want you to get caught up with the rest of the sheep and the rest of the mania. I want to bring you that information that you need to know. 
Um, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. Don't go away. I'm going to be right back. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeartRadio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.